0: Welcome to college soccer
1: nation, the premier podcast focused on NCAA collegiate soccer featuring SMU head women's coach, Chris Petroselli and old miss head women's coach, Matt Mott. You can download and listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And if you like what you hear, leave a five-star review and tell your soccer friends. Now let's go to coach Petroselli and coach Mott.
2: Welcome in college soccer nation. My name is Matt Mott. We are here on a Thursday edition, Chris, a little different this, uh, this week how are you my friend? I'm good, Matt. I'm good. Yes, we're we're here on Thursday. We we missed uh, Monday.
1: You had a kind of a tough week, didn't you?
2: Yeah, you know, getting older sucks, Chris. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Like it's uh, I don't like it. Um I, I, my my wife's step mother who is my mother-in-law, one of my mother-in-laws, I guess, uh, passed away over the weekend of COVID. Um, really disappointing i was with her first part of january and then here we are on january 27th she got covid you know later in january and and passed away from it so uh i was up in new york at the funeral um my my father-in-law too uh got covid and he was very sick but he's coming through with it so coming through of it so that's good but you know chris I, you know i i would say to you and and brian and anybody else that listens like you know there's a stigma about mother-in-law's um and it just wasn't the case with me I had this wonderful relationship with her she was a great great woman um and certainly will be so sorely missed for sure but um that's why we're late uh in the week but I appreciate all the well wishes I got from everybody and I know my wife Jen and my kids you know a lot of kids lost their grandmother it's terrible so it's um that's yeah it is but we got a show to do and I'm happy to be back in Oxford it was a quick trip to Buffalo um and uh happy to be back and and ready to, to rock on on a really good show so speaking of buffalo yes oh we're um, on there
1: already right out of the shoot. that's just fan for 14 days now so yeah
2: are you no longer a fan once they lost well I, I i'm, I'm gonna be honest i i struggle a little bit going and am i sticking with them or not you know i don't don't love the way they play. I mean, they they played against a better team, but are they good enough for me to really hang on to them? We'll see. So we'll see you how they do, stuff. how well they yes. do next year. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but I, how the shocking part for me is how is Tom Brady back in the Super Bowl again? Uh, amazing, ten times. And, amazing, amazing. And you know, one of the biggest plays of the night, he throws to Rob Gronkowski. Yeah. You know, they pick up a really important first down and and keep rolling. I mean, it is uh, it's it's very amazing what he's done. I mean, you know, yeah. you start talking about the the goats out there. I mean, it's going to be hard for anybody to do what he's done. Oh, he's an all time great for, sure. for yeah. sure. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, uh, I got some t- statistics, Matt, that I think you'll be you'll be interested in about about podcasts. Okay, so cool. uh, I found I found a list of uh, you know the top the top downloaded podcasts, um, in the U S and it listed the number one, the number one show was downloaded 35,000 times per episode. Now we're talking about, right? okay, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's a big drop to like the number 10, um, drops to 3000. So that's a huge drop mm. from number one. Right. Yeah. If you go to the median, which is you know, let's say for example, there's a hundred. There's a lot more than a hundred, but if we're a hundred, the median would be fiftieth, right? So the median number is downloaded 124 times per episode. Huh. So if we consider, if you consider the median like the average, yeah, we are above average.
2: We are nice. an above average podcast. How about that? <laughs> so how many of those podcasts are making money like we are? <laughs> 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 um, I don't know. I don't um know. i'm telling you we need to start hiring interns I, tell you, I didn't get any emails about interns chris did you i i didn't i didn't I no, think if you want to be an intern just send us an email <laughs> our emails will be listed at the end of the podcast we'd love to have, talk about yeah. uh, employment and the thing um so real quick the um that's that's really interesting who who was the top podcast who was that I think it's a Joe Rogan. Oh yeah, yeah. Bebe always talks about him. Bebe always yeah. talks about him. Yeah. Huh. So and how about um, how about looking just
1: looking at our our downloads and and what we've done. Derek Leader, his episode is killing it. It's up into the top ten now. It's uh, actually wow. I think the seventh most downloaded uh, of of our episodes, and it's only a few weeks old. You know, our, yeah. the ones at the top are the ones from way back in September, right? Where people yeah. have had more time download it but Derek has done well
2: well is in it fact, because we like asked it.
1: okay here's what you're really gonna like you yeah. know who he's knocked out of the top
2: 10 the picker the picker <laughs> 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 Uh let me ask you this I'm surprised he's in the top 10 that long uh let me ask you this I was, it was either gonna be the picker or Brian's episode either one was gonna be my choice but um is it because you think we talked about soccer more is that possible? We talked about tactics and sessions, and or do you think Derek's just got this huge following?
1: Yeah, I think then, his, you know, the club and 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 the way that he they marketed it and and that kind of thing. I, I think they did they did a really good job with
2: it. Yeah, and it was good. He did a good job. That was good. That was a good episode. Yeah, good episode. Okay, for sure. All right. So what? We have some college soccer, Matt. Yeah, it's getting. We're there, right? We're there. Yeah. People are playing. Yeah, there's competition.
1: Been some exhibition games. I know our men played, okay. our men played uh, Incarnate Word uh, last weekend, last Sunday, smoked them seven to one or mm-hmm. some ridiculous score. And they play again this weekend uh, against Midwestern. Um, and I'm sure there are other, you know, exhibition games out there and things yeah. like that. I I, I'm not,
2: I don't know who's played, but people are playing. So how, how, how far in is that for your men? Did they start at the same time you did or after you? They started when we started, you know, the first week of, of January. Okay. So there are how many? Well, their there, first week of January. So they were three weeks in? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's good. And Kev, yeah, please tell Kevin I said good luck on the season. Hope they have a great season. Yeah. We'll do it. All that. right. Um, so, real quick, uh, we didn't mention, we always mention this spot and we'll, we'll do it a little bit earlier, but Shannon Box is the guest, the three time. Olympic gold medalist, World Cup champion, uh, former Notre Dame player, and just a, uh, a big-time, big-time person in the soccer world. And what a wonderful player. We'll talk about her a little bit, but that is the guest. And then our Power Five tonight, I was, like I said, unfortunately I had to go to Buffalo, but I was driving. My wife actually lives in a little town called Allegheny, or she's originally from Allegheny. And as you drive from Buffalo to Allegheny, you pass some ski slopes. So there are people skiing down the hill. There's a lot of snow in Buffalo this time of year. And I thought, Chris, how about Winter Olympic sports, our favorite ones? So, again, it's our favorite Winter Olympic sports um, that we will debate later on, which we think are the best in our opinion, what we enjoy the most, I think, right? I mm-hmm. think hey, that's where we're headed with yeah. that. So yeah. that'll be good. All right, time for a segment two with our, our good friend, um, the big deal, Mr. Brian Lee. You ready to bring him in? Come on, Chris. You, you look so good thrilled to bring in brian <laughs> uh, if you can only see the zoom anyway uh brian welcome to
0: college soccer nation how are you on this fine thursday evening i'm i'm tremendous i appreciate the fine introduction from my good friend <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: yeah yes indeed What's the first question on? i have for you brian
1: um are you shocked we've made it to this point where it looks like almost everyone is going to play
0: well, I think if we label it, everyone's going to attempt to play. Yeah. I, I would say not shocked. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I feel strongly that they, the, we're very fortunate that our season got pushed to not just the spring, but to coincide with basketball if we want to play. Because I think basketball playing is really important to the NCAA. And that's our governing body that says whether we play or not. You know, nationally, every school could make their own decision. So I think we're going to give it the old college try. That's for sure. Here we go. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Like you said, I,
1: you know, we're – these days now we're used to cancellation and changing and, and pivoting um, and being flexible and, and those words. But I'm pretty sure it's going to happen.
2: That's Brian, right. Brian, let me ask you a question. Are you surprised that College Soccer Nation is above average – on all <laughs> downloads in, in the uh, country.
0: Well, I, I often describe you two as slightly above average.
2: <laughs> I so I'd take that as a compliment. If you're talking about my weight, I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I think we're more I, than slightly I, above <laughs> average. Our numbers
1: are more than slightly above average. What would you call it, Chris? What would you call it?
2: I would call it uh, strong. Oh, okay. I like that. I like that. Yeah. All right. So Brian, would you be surprised that our numbers are strong?
0: Um, that is not a word I often associate with you too. So, um, can we, can we go with hefty or, uh, (laughs) again, the fat jokes, I don't get it. That's not a fat joke. And that is not for any particular person. I just felt like strong was a little, uh, Little uh, overzealous,
2: maybe. Okay. All right. Back to it, Chris. What's next? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. So now we're we're about to play some games here, and uh, I want to just talk a little bit about schedules and things like that. Um, What do you know about um, first of all, like the, the teams and leagues that played in the fall? You know anything about their plans for the spring?
0: Well, I think everyone's a little different. I I don't know what percentage we're at. Maybe 60%, 70% of those teams have released online schedules. Uh, I I have not heard of any of those teams who are going to pass on playing in the spring, so I assume they're all eventually coming. But, you know, I I think uh, for the teams that really matter, or at least nationally where it matters, the, the teams that you could easily look at and say, hey, they're on the proverbial bubble, right now i think we we're seeing some interesting schedules pop out with some really good matchups
2: well i think chris yeah. that i think that all of the teams that played in the fall are all obviously playing but they're not playing conference conference right. schedules right us uh, the sec the acc and the big 12 are all playing games but are considered non-conference games even though some of us are playing league ga- league teams but they're not league games so i think that's clear uh Make that clear for people. You know, it's everybody's playing, uh, but they're not playing SEC games. They may be playing SEC teams, but they're not considered SEC games. Does that make sense? They don't count for standings or anything right, like that. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many SEC teams do you play? We play two: Georgia and Kentucky. Okay, oh, I right. know. I think we're almost. That. Oh, I'm going to play eight. Uh uh-huh. Yeah, we're playing. Ole Miss is playing eight games this uh, yeah. this spring. So. Yeah. Did it- Brian, didn't you just see something where somebody had like 17 or something like that?
0: I saw something online with one of the teams who played five in the fall. has got 17 scheduled for the spring. So we're trying to research and make sure that the rule is 20. That's the way we've been interpreting it and the way we've seen it. But, you know, sometimes rules sneak by us so well is that um, team just banking on maybe some COVID
2: games that they're going to miss some games yeah. they want to make sure they have games scheduled. <laughs> yeah. you know
0: they'd kind of be the smart ones wouldn't they yeah, it might, might be you know yeah.
2: you know the other thing Chris that we want to talk about was you know a lot of these a lot of teams have transfers right transfers that came in in December or they have early enrollees and I think it's important that people understand those those people aren't able to play so you know and and in Springs before those people would come in, they'd be able to play in those, those exhibition games uh, and you'd lose your seniors, but you'd maybe gain a few of those and, and you'd be ready to roll. But now people have lost their seniors that have moved on or opted out or whatever, but they can't even play the transfers or the, the guys that came in early. Like I have a player that came in early and a, a player that transferred. Chris, I know you had a player that came in early Brian, you had a player that transferred. It's really to me, disappointing that those guys can't play. I understand why I think I understand why, but I think with losing some seniors – and, Chris, I know you have – we've all had some opt-outs. Like, maybe it would made it made sense for them to play. I, I don't know. Oh, I, I
1: think it's a farce. Honestly, I, I, I feel strongly about this. Like, the tran- the, the ones who transferred um, from places that played in the fall, I get it. They shouldn't be able yeah. to play in two teams in, in, in the same year, um, especially for the same championship. But, you know, these mid-year enrollee freshmen – I think is a farce. Uh, I I think it's really unfortunate. I think many of those kids made plans to come in uh, early before COVID hit. Um, And I think we all made those arguments that, you know, this was, this was had nothing to do with COVID and basically the NCAA said no to everybody. And Mm -hmm. um, there are teams like our, like my team that, you know, we're, we're down in numbers for sure. And we actually have two mid-year enrollees and we could use those players just to fill out our roster, whether or not you know how good they are, or anything like that is is irrelevant. But you know, if if we get to a point where we may have to cancel a game or two because of our numbers, uh, maybe we could have played those games. You know, if if we had those those players, and maybe then it doesn't affect the rest of our league. You know, because now we got to go to points per game or some other metric that that people are using to to decide their league. So uh, there's a bigger impact than just on, on the one team. And I actually think it was a really naive and, um, and, and lazy on, on the part of the NCAA.
0: Well, if you remember the timing of when that decision came out, it kind of hit where it was the first time since COVID there'd been any, um, what you'd consider student athlete, negative outcome, potential legislation. It was yes, 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 yes. And, We were all full of confidence that it was going to keep going that way. So it was a little shocking. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was early December, late um, November, when they had a quick little string of no's. And I'm not sure it's not exactly what you're talking about, Chris. They were just fatigued at the NCAA office, and the timing may have just been poor. um, Yeah. Yeah. Because it was a bit of a shock. Yeah. Well, and and I agree.
2: I agree with you. As you think now, well, I think what's interesting is that if you transferred and you didn't play in the fall you can play in the spring right so if you didn't step on the field for team A in the fall you can play for team B in the spring but yes. again the 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 early enrollees where if to me if you could have proved if you could approve they were planning on coming in before covid they should have been able to play i mean that doesn't make any sense honestly so i agree. I, agree. I, I I do. I, I know you agree, Chris. You feel very strongly about it. There's no. Question. I feel strongly about it, and I, <laughs> I look at the kids at training every day, and I feel terrible for them. You yeah, because yeah, they're
1: yeah. Out there working hard. They're doing the best they can, and and again, regardless of uh, of how good they are, like
2: they deserve to play.
1: They deserve. Well, to they play. planned they're on playing, playing at
2: least five games, right? They 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 came in yes. knowing they were going to get to play five games. So yes. yeah, and the year
1: doesn't count, right? We keep they keep right. telling us. The year back, you get the year back. Well, if the year doesn't count, they get the year back. Why not let them play? Fine point. Yeah. Yeah. Do we got any, um, any, uh, any games that we know of come this coming spring that are, you know, standing out for us? I know I I saw uh, Oklahoma state and Notre Dame playing. I think I saw South Carolina and North Carolina, maybe Any, any games for you guys
0: standing out? The South Carolina-Clemson game, you know, coming out of the fall, that's two teams where they got to be right around the bubble line, last couple in, first couple out. And so right off the bat, that one's a huge game. The Oklahoma State-Notre Dame one's interesting, but Notre Dame's probably a little fringy, too fringy. I'm not sure beating Oklahoma State gets them in. You know, um, whoever's on Carolina's schedule, Florida State's schedule, you get the chance for the great win, but you also have well, to Florida win. Florida State's interesting.
1: Now, Florida State's interesting. You know, you know they're playing uh, four. I believe it's four NWSL teams, um, and then maybe just three college teams. Mm-hmm. Um, Smart, I th- and I think it's a great move on their part. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the, their team's going to get challenged for sure.
0: Well, that'd be interesting. How many of those games, if it is? a mixture of the NWSL team. Say it's half regulars, half back-end players. Can Florida State win any of those games? Like the Alabama versus Jacksonville Jaguars argument, but but in women's soccer. So do I.
1: And, and they're playing Louisville, expansion team, right? And, you know, who's just getting it together? And, and Orlando, who's not been that strong, uh, I, I think they can. I think they absolutely can. Well,
2: I think, I, I agree with you, I think you can, but there's no way, Brian, Alabama could beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. No oh, way totally in a million years. But I think it's this, a, uh, on the other hand, it could, that could happen with, yeah, with
0: uh, Florida State. That comparison is very interesting. I think Alabama get beat by 30 to 40 points minimum by an NFL team. Yeah. And I think Florida State playing some cross-section of their top 16, 18 players on an NWSL team that's in the back end outside the top three or four, it might be a really good game. Yeah. Or it's got a high chance of being a really well, good game. It used to drive me crazy
2: when people would say, Oh, take, you know, whoever the number one baseball team in the country is and play them against the worst major league yeah. game. Major yeah. league. I mean, there's no chance. That's no ridiculous, chance. but anyway, interesting fodder for sure. So, um,
1: what do we know about uh, this uh, announcement from the NCA about uh, hosting, bids going out and things like that? What, what do you guys know about this stuff?
2: I guess I'll take this one, huh, Chris? Um, okay, uh, thanks. Uh, bids are coming out. I think if they didn't come out today, they're coming out. It's supposed to be out tomorrow maybe. Um, to What they're trying to do is – what we're trying to do is predetermine sites for the uh, NCAA tournament to reduce the amount of sites, to reduce the possibility of spread. I will say this, um, you know, right now we're in inter- intermediate, is that right, where you're only testing once or twice a week yeah. by, per NCAA rules, right? Mm-hmm. That's the NCAA rules. They are, when it goes into the tournament, going back to high level, oh, wow. uh, which means you would get tested three times a week. So um, that's in play, but they're trying to predetermine so they can get the testing and the protocols, all set up the places, the sanitation, all those important pieces. So they are going to limit them sites. So, you know, we could be seeing, you know, a number of teams going to one site to play, um, you know, throughout the country or however the bids come back in. Right. Right.
0: Well, this is just my opinion and, and it's always been my opinion with a couple of things on this. Any way we can expand the college cup is awesome. You know, we deal with Omaha, and uh Omaha for baseball and Oklahoma City for softball and they've created that 8 team basically final 4 feel but it's for 8 teams twice as many the if we go single site or home site or you know just fewer sites with more teams i think the atmosphere's got a chance even during covid to be great if we give those areas enough notice whoever wins those bids and um they're in the right areas of the country it, it really it could be a covid positive however this turns out
1: it'd be interesting to see who bids on it too because uh i mean you're not making any money right you're, yeah are not making no. money on this thing you know well you know whenever you work with the ncaa you don't make money right they they yeah. take most of it but you usually can make a little off of it but you know in, in this environment where you don't even know if, you know People are going to get in, or, or whatever it is, you're not making any money. So it's got to be people that, you know, just are really big soccer supporters and, and well, I know, think cities and things like that.
2: Well, Chris, you know, you know I have a buddy of mine that works for the city of Oxford, and he schedules tournaments, right? And and a lot of times these towns, it's more about the hotels and the food yeah. costs and that stuff than it is the actual admission sure. or tickets in the game. They're 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 counting on that kind of revenue for the entire city or entire town or whatever. Um, so maybe that's how these. You know, typically it's going to probably be the bigger venues that that bid on it. I would th- I would think, yes. but maybe there'll be some schools that do bid on it that want that home field advantage. I, I don't know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, they're I mean, doing we that it? off top of their head, true. right? I mean, TCU, Dallas, Nashville, and Tallahassee you have already qualified for the tournament. And mm-hmm. how many California schools are really going to bid to host as right. it stands right now with COVID out there. So or all, a, yeah, Yeah. eliminate yeah. all of them. And then there's only 18 at large bids or however many it is right now. So we don't know who's going to be in it. And there's a limited field that could feel comfortable. Their team's going to be in it. Yeah. So I'm not sure how many bids we're going to get.
2: Yeah. Well, I think the
0: interesting point. thing, Brian is for universities have been on it
2: it's expensive right that's going to be expensive for them and are they and again if i mean i don't know what you i don't know what dallas is now chris but in in as far as i know in in mississippi we're still at like 25 percent capacity yes yeah, and so here. yeah so they're not selling a bunch of tickets and the universities don't care if the hotels are full right they don't get a kickback in the hotels so why why would they if it's going to be cost it, i guess the question would be will it be cost effective because Budgets are tight everywhere we look. So for I sure. think it's gonna be more like you know, I don't know, maybe Orlando does it or places like that. I have no idea. I'm just just spitballing, but bigger venues, maybe some of these NWSL venues do. I don't I don't have any idea, but yeah.
0: Gonna be interesting. Yep. Sure. Well, to back up that a little bit, that makes a lot more sense than the colleges. They've also got the manpower and the willingness because they've been empty. The colleges yeah. this spring, our facility services are packed. Yeah. They're overburdened yeah. already.
2: Right. They're doing baseball and softball and crack and everything else. Now you're going to say, oh, Mm -hmm. by the way, we're going to bring in an eight-team or six-teams soccer tournament (laughs) in in May. (laughs) You know? (laughs) I don't know. All right. All good. We got for him. All right, Brian, thanks again. Yeah, your insight, Brian, is invaluable to the college soccer nation. I I don't know how we would do
0: it without you. Well, I tell you what, coming from you, Matt, that, that means so much. It really I, does. I, I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. The I sincerity really do. just seeps through.
2: <laughs> it, it does. Yeah. I mean, I just feel very honored that we get this block of time with you every week. That You know, most people <laughs> don't get that. And I understand how important it is. You know, some people even say this segment that you're in is the most important we do. Or maybe the <laughs> best or maybe the favorite. I've heard that. Yeah, yes, I've, I've, nev- I've never heard it, but I'm sure
0: maybe somebody's saying <laughs> it. Who knows? We'll know. You know, um, you won't be surprised. We've started practice. You guys sound just like my players. They're so thankful every day <laughs> to hear from me. <laughs> it's like Derek I'm saying good- his players are, are thanking him. I can't remember last
2: time when my players thanked me. <laughs> anyway, all right, Brian, all right, thank you much. See you. Very much. Ya. See ya. Yep. All right, Chris, so we got Shannon Box recorded. You did an interview with her on Monday and someone i was been really looking forward to listening to and I think our listeners – are going to, are going to love this time you had with her. Yeah. So th- this is an interesting,
1: an interesting one, right? Shannon, Shannon played for me and obviously, you know, knew her, you know, before she was in college and recording her in, in, uh, you know, we talked about, you know, her path and, and, and all of that kind of stuff, but there were a lot of things that came up in this interview that, uh, I didn't expect it to go that way. Um, and she even said some things that, you know, I didn't really know. Um, so I think people are going to enjoy this, uh, it's a it's a real um, in depth uh, discussion with one of the uh, world's best players at at one time. We're uh, really excited to have uh, Shannon Box in with us uh, today um, on College Soccer Nation, one of the legends of the game of, of women's soccer and uh, one one of the best players in the world uh, during during her time and. Um, I, you know she she spoke with my team the other day and um, I called her a serial winner you know she's she she won in college uh, she won three gold medals um, she won a World Cup and she's you know she's won so many times it's such a, an impressive career that she had we're we're really excited to have Shannon in so uh welcome in Shannon
3: thank you so much for having me
1: and and full disclosure here um, Shannon and I <laughs> go way back um, you know, I was Shannon's college coach back at, back at Notre Dame. So um, as we discuss some of these these things, I want to make sure we get out front with that. Those were probably the four worst years of your life. I'm no, sure.
3: no, no, no. I loved it. I was definitely the shy kid. Never talked to you, though. I was like, all my friends and teammates talked to you all the time. And I was like, eh, he's my coach. I don't want to say anything.
1: Yeah, now I can't stop you, right?
3: Yeah, exactly. See, no, I got with more confidence now.
1: <laughs> OK, so let's... um let's start back in those days uh, a while ago for sure um, and and can you recall and or, or remember any of the things like through your recruiting process because you know the recruiting process is it's changed you know it's
3: changed a lot very
1: different but <laughs> yeah. what was your what was your process and experience like
3: you know I think the process itself it's it's changed so much and it the, the Amount of time you have now. I mean, you have to decide so early, so it's crazy. But for me back then, um, what I can really remember is I got lucky. I had an older sister who had to go through that same process. She played softball, and so we actually were a little bit more in tune on what we need to do and and stuff like that. But it wasn't me sending in videos. I wasn't sending in all these videos and saying, hopefully they recognize me. You know, it wasn't like that then because soccer I was even told by my mom my mom said like you might want to look into softball because there's not that many scholarships for soccer and you that's the only way you're going to a four-year college so you know think about it and I actually did I played a season of club softball and club soccer because I thought I was gonna have to switch and then I realized you know what I love soccer I'm going for it and I'm just gonna stick with it and so that kind of became the start of it but you know I just do I, I just remember you know coaches calling you you have to build confidence like as a player as a as a young kid I felt like a teenager like having to have confidence of like okay when these coaches are calling like am I gonna say yes to everything or am I gonna just really figure out what I want and the parts that I really remember are just more so once we did get into further the process of coaches calling us and being able to talk to us on the phone and I remember you calling and I remember the big one that, that I remember the most was Joy Fawcett. She was the head coach at UCLA school. I really loved. We were close. I lived in Los Angeles. Um, and I remember she actually came to the house. So it was those visits where they could come and sat down and was like, you know, I can only offer you half. And I remember my mom being like, well, she can't come like point blank. Like she can't come. And me being like, mom, like, what are you doing? Like this, this is a chance like to go. And, Um, but it was great. It it worked out, you know, and later on she did offer me more. Um, but yeah, I think just, I remember the going on my recruiting trips. You guys were my first, Notre Dame was my very first trip. And I literally compared every other school to Notre Dame. And when I went through the final process of like having to make that list, I mean, I made the list of why I should go to each school, why I shouldn't. And it just kept coming back to the fact, like every time I went somewhere else, I compared it like, oh, it's not as pretty as Notre Dame. Oh, it's, you know, it's bigger than Notre Dame. Oh, it's smaller than Notre Dame. Like everything was compared to Notre Dame. And so for me, the process wasn't as hard as I think it is now. Um, I think that uh, I almost feel like I had it easy. I think that coaches came to me. Um, And then at the final end of that process, it was just me really writing things down and finding out what was the most important and my sister gave me the best advice ever she pretty much said go to the school that you want to be at not because of soccer because coaches change you can get injured you go for the education you go for the people and the social piece of it and you go because even if you can't play soccer another day will you still want to be there and that was big for me and Notre Dame turned out to be the one that was right
1: and we should say that your sister was quite an athlete as well, right? A she medal for, for the U.S. as a, a catcher, right? She was a catcher.
3: Yep, yep. catcher. Yeah. Well, she, I remember uh... I
1: remember some of your recruiting process as well.
3: <laughs> what do you tell me because <laughs> you will probably remember way more than I do.
1: <laughs> I remember watching you play as a as a young kid at, uh, I guess it was at the national championship. Um, and you were playing for Torrance United, I believe. Is that yes. right?
3: Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, and I remember thinking, we got to have her. We we got to find a way to get her. Um, and I was always nervous in the recruiting process with you about UCLA.
3: Okay. Uh, knowing
1: that it was so close, right? Mm-hmm. And I actually remember the day that you called and said that you were coming to Notre Dame. You do. So I think it was very, it was either right around um, on the week, I think it was right on the weekend of the Final Four. Okay. Uh, and I'm not at quite,
3: Portland, at Portland, yeah, yeah, Portland. final four, Yeah, yeah. I watched it that. It actually
1: game. might have been actually, we you know, we lost that final. Yeah. That and it might have been actually after. The I final. think
3: it was after it because yeah. I watched and then I do. I kind of remember you calling. I yeah. remember that.
1: Yeah, it was it, it was after we lost five. Nothing. We lost that game five. Nothing. So yeah. I needed some good news. Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, you brought <probably> some. <laughs> OK, so you, you end up at you end up in Notre Dame and now you're you're joining the team as a freshman and you're walking into a team that was a really good. Team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was that like for you?
3: Um, I think I just kind of came in and was like, I have no expectations. Like, I want to be a starter. And I kind of trained and played like that. I mean, I remember the packet you sent us before I was a freshman. I did every single thing in <laughs> it. Like, even if I had a game that day, I woke up early and went to do fitness, and I was like, I have to do this. And so that was just my personality. So coming in my freshman year, I was just so excited. The team was so good already. And I remember having the conversation though before I got there, of that you know we have two really good center midfielders, yeah. so you know I don't think that that's going to be a position, but potentially outside mid is an option. <laughs> and so I remember on Abner Rogers' team being like, I need to play outside mid just so I could figure out how to do this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think I went in with just such an open, open mind, open heart, you know, and and just worked really hard. And if I could be an outside mid, I just wanted to be on that field, and it didn't matter where I played, and I think, to be honest, I think that's where my versatility really started, Um, because every, you know, on the club, I was one of the better players, so I was playing in the position I was supposed to be in, but by you doing that, you gave me the confidence, like, yeah, I can play anywhere, right, I I can learn all these different positions, and it gave me the the chance to learn all these different positions so then when the national team came it's like okay I know what an outside mid's supposed to do I know what a center back's supposed to do because Chris put me in those positions
0: <laughs> <laughs> but
1: it didn't take you long to get to center uh, to center mid though it didn't take well
3: long. yeah I mean unfortunately yes, exactly. Cindy right but yes. but still I mean final four you know yeah. I was still out there so well, yes. you know
1: yeah, yeah. um yeah. I look back on the, I, I look back on those days, Shannon, and I go, what was I thinking? Like, why, well, why, I why have her out of the middle. <laughs> you Cause
3: know. you had two really good players in there. So, so I understood it. And just, you know, to be a freshman and start, I mean, I was, wherever you want me to go, Chris, <laughs> except for keeper. can't do That's
1: it. Right. <laughs> and, and so, you know, you, you, you had obviously a very good uh, college career and, um, and certainly were, were very impressive. But you had some battles during our college, you know, mm-hmm. you had some some ailments and, and sort of some demons to deal with and and things like that. So can can you share some of that with us?
3: Yeah, um, yeah, I guess a lot of it kind of started before I even got there. Um my senior year in high school, I really struggled with anorexia. Um, I became anorexic that year and um for me it started as nothing it started as oh a friend was like oh i only had a bagel for lunch and i was like oh like what what do you mean like and it just starts so simple and all of a sudden you just you, you know i talk about how i i deal with perfectionism and in how it served me well as an athlete but it really didn't serve me in the rest of my life and that's one situation where i was like oh it's something i can control so i must have been out of control in something else and to this day i can't tell you what that was but to be able to control exactly what I eat and, and my weight. And all of these things became so important to me. And I almost lost my, my scholarship because I remember you calling me being like, you need to get some help or you need to figure this out um, before you come here. And that was a big wake up call for me. Um, but then I got into college and I thought I was on the right path, but I found myself kind of dipping right back down into that. Um, you know, I've dealt with depression, um, in my younger years as well. And so I think there are so many demons, but soccer was always my outlet. Soccer was my way to, to, to be the best I could be and to really shine and, and I enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, during college, I think the weight thing was a big thing for me. I know every year I was probably a different version of myself. Um, but I think one thing I loved is that you handled it so well. I think there could have been so many coaches that were like this isn't my problem. And I always respected the fact that you took me in and said like how do we ha- how do I help you? You know, and you got me into the clinic and kind of set my ways a lot better and I really didn't fall I would say as deep as I had in my senior in high school or even the beginning of my freshman years as, as at all cons- because of your help. So, yeah. thank you. I appreciate that.
1: Sure. I remember the headaches. You, the right? headaches,
3: the yeah. migraines. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That.
1: Real, real migraines. Yeah.
3: And I think those are all symptoms now of yeah. lupus. So, yeah, probably, like, right. oh, yeah. my fingers, my, my fingers would go completely yes. frozen. Yeah. So, like, I was starting to have all these. The migraines was the worst. I thought it was humidity. And I was like, I'm from California. What's, <laughs> what's this humidity? But yeah. So, I did. I had a, a bunch of different physical ailments just going on. And, um, but Notre Dame was such a great place for me like when people ask me now would you do it again 100% yeah
1: for sure and again you know through all of that you had a had a great a great college career um, yeah. and and you know again talking with my team I mentioned this yesterday like we we look at your your career overall and and we we look at it and we go what a fantastic player and all of that um but when you were in college, you weren't really the best player on the team, right? Mm-hmm. But that piece started to develop as you left college, right? And mm-hmm. you had this, this, um, this time between when you played college soccer and then when you really became a national team star,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: And so, talk about that period and 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 what you did and and how all of a sudden not all of a sudden, but how, after a while, this yeah real- No, I,
3: I would say like, it's almost an all of a sudden, like it just, <laughs> you're right. I wasn't, I, but I was, you know, but I had what, what teams needed in college. Yeah. I was that consistent, that, that person that was going to, you know, put their body on the line for their team. And I think that was always something that I just continued to say, that was a good thing. I need to keep that, you know, um, going through the rest of my career and, um, but yeah, those years in between, I mean, I graduated when I was, what, 21 and, you know, I didn't make the national team until I was 26. I I went and played in the W League, which was on the East Coast for a little bit because I was still not done. I love soccer. I just knew that I wasn't good enough to play on the national team at this point. And so I was like, well, let me just keep playing. Um, went to Germany, tried a stint there, was there for six months. And I think I got better there. Like, it definitely was a different style, but I remember... Even being get, I got pushed back to center back, you know, it was at the very end when I'd already said, I'm leaving, I'm not going to come back. And she put me as a center back. And all of a sudden she was like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> you're really good back here. You know, like, are you sure you want to go? <laughs> and I was like, I I'm not leaving because of soccer. I'm leaving because of just other issues that I just, it was in a foreign country as far away from home. Like I just, you know, um, So, you know, I I think that was a great experience. And I think I did improve there. Um, But you know, the time when I came back, that's the stuff that I remember being like, this was the, the pretty much the turning point, I guess, or the change. Um, Came home, working at California Pizza Kitchen, trying to figure out what my next move was. Um, And a friend of mine was like, come out and play with us. It's an all girls team. It's just for fun. And she was like, I was like, no, I'm done. My boots gone, not playing again. And she's like, just come out. And I remember going out there. I was like, fine, fine, fine. Came out. I had so much fun. I didn't care if I was fit. I didn't care if I wasn't. I didn't care like if I made a mistake, like it was so freeing to just play for fun. And that became my, that became it. I just started having so much fun. I was playing on a co-ed team and, you know, we would go to Vegas. We were going to all these fun places. It's like club again, you know, but I was an adult. And so I was like, this is the best thing ever. And then the league was coming and the new league, you know, the WSA. And I was like, you know what, I think I want to go for this. Um, I think I have a really good chance. And I remember writing and finding out how, how I can get in to go to the, to the, you know, um, combine. And, and so when I went there again, it was like, I just had so much confidence. I was fit. And I think that was a big difference, you know, as I, f- I struggled with fitness in college. Um, and here I was at, you know, this combine and I just had so much confidence. And I think I started to really come into my own in that moment, but then I faltered again, you know, I made, I made it in the league. I went top like three, um, which I was shocked. Like when my name got called the first day I was like sitting there hanging out with people like, Oh, I'm going to get called potentially when I get home. And all of a sudden people were like, your name just got called. And I was like, what? Like no idea. Um, so yeah, it was just, a, it was just such a journey. And I think that's the part that I think is so cool. Is it's not like I, I just improved little bits at a time. And then though, when the first league came, you know, I was a starter for a year and a half and then a coaching change came and I got, I sat the bench for the rest of the season. It was another critical moment. Like I could have been like, I'm done and I need to move on. I'm not making that much money. And, you know, and, um, something clicked again. And I was like, no, you know what? I have dreamt of playing on the national team. I want this. I want it. And, if I want it, I'm going to have to go for it. And I have to go for it in a way that I've never done it before. And that means I have to get even more fit and I have to commit myself hundred percent because in the league, I was like, Oh, I'm a professional athlete off season would come. I was like drinking, hanging out. Like I wasn't working out a lot, you know, and that's what happened.
0: Right.
3: Firstly, after the first year of the league, I got called into the national team. Oh, I was like, uh Oh, not fit. Like I was off season. And I was like, Okay, that can't happen again. So if yeah. I really want this, I have to be fit all the time. I have to know that like somebody's going to call me in at some point and I have to be ready. And that was kind of the big change.
1: And then um, you get called in a couple of times and then April calls you in for that last camp before, before the World Cup.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And your name pops up. As having made the team, an uncapped player having made the team, which just doesn't happen. Had to be a, a just a great moment for you. yeah.
3: Oh, such a huge moment. It, and it was, it came again, like I wasn't expecting it because she had told me you can't make this team right now. Maybe in 2004, but, you know. Um, so, yeah, I was in camp. I had nothing to lose. And I just was, again, that, that I talk about being free a lot because that's, that is what I know helped me propel is just that freedom to just be who I am out on the soccer field um and that time especially I was really free and I remember like hearing Christine Lilly be like she's pretty good like (laughs) and me be like yes like um but I just yeah so when she called me in she didn't even want a meeting with me at first and so I was like oh can I just drive home we were in San Diego and she's like actually I think I want to meet with you and and she did and she called me in she started and all of a sudden she didn't name me and I was like what like <laughs> seriously like I just instantly started bawling and all the hard work and everything that just meant so much to me like to make that and to know I made it and I knew I knew it wasn't just her I knew it was the people my teammates sure you know, I know they had to have said, Christy Rampone was there. Like, I know that these players, like, pushed for me. Yeah. And that, I mean, talk about getting a confidence booster sure. to go in. And, and that's how I was able to just jump right in. I mean, I didn't just make the team. I started. Yeah. so Score
1: the in your first three games.
3: Yeah. So it's like, I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't think the players around me thought I should be there. For sure. You know, and I
1: think that brings us into that, you know, the whole culture of that,
3: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, the women's national team and the training environment and, um, you know, the way it works. Right. And so talk a little bit about, about that experience and, and sort of living in that culture for a number of years.
3: Right. You know, and that's exactly it. Like right when I came on the team, there was already this culture that had been formed by these veteran players. Um, they had established these rules for the team, for the players to live by no matter who came in or out. And, It was a culture that proved to be successful, but it also brought the team together instantly. We all knew what we were supposed to do. We all knew our roles. We all knew how we were supposed to act with media, with, you know, people outside of it, fans, like when you get to the national team, it's not just about soccer anymore. So it's all these other things that you have to like be able to manage and still play really well on the field and produce and perform. And one thing that I loved is it was just such a winning mentality but it didn't allow for complacency. So it allowed us to champion each other and compete to make each other the best self. And, you know, I think I talked to your girls on the, on your college team, just of like every single training session was intense, you know, and it, if we were competing against each other, we wanted to make that other person better. And so we competed extra hard so that when they went and when we played against other teams, we were like, this is easy. You know, the hardest competition was against our own teammates. When we played first, you know, first team, second team type thing, it was like, I mean, second team probably beat the first team half more than half the time because that was how hard it was, you know? And so I loved that environment. I thrived with it. I know there's people that probably don't, but I thrived from such a, a culture like that of... We wanna win at all times, but we wanna do it in the right respectful way. And it didn't matter what coach or player came in or out. It was the same. I mean, I think I told a story about Pia Sunhagi who came in from a very different culture and tried to have a like a really low intense training session but at the end of the set session, she put us against 5v5, like a tournament. And we were like, you can't do that. If, and then she goes after the practice, she's like you went too hard. <laughs> and we're like, well, you put us against each other. Like, this is our mentality. Like even running fitness, it's like we constantly were screaming out. No one's fitter than us, you know? And that was just the mentality that the veteran players made. And, and you're seeing it now that I'm retired, I'm watching them on TV. You still can feel that that culture is there.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the most impressive things, right? I mean that that culture has carried on for years and years and years and
0: years, and
1: it's why they win. I mean, obviously, yeah. they're great great players, and let's not take anything away from all right. of the players who have played over, over the years. They've been fantastic players, but you know that co- that culture, that mentality, has really made a difference for them.
3: But you know, it comes with the elite player too. You know, it does. like I mean, you you were watching all these documentaries now. You know, Tiger, and yeah. you know, Kobe, and you know, Jordan. All they have this mentality that's yeah. just like okay. So, it kind of comes with being that good too. It
1: does, yeah. And it's a special, it's a special, special player, right? And and yeah. look, I've always said like to be a a great, great player, you got to be a little crazy, like <laughs> you got to be a Probably. little compulsive, don't you? Right? I mean, you got you you got to be a little compulsive because you know it's like this single Biden mindedness mm-hmm. of. I'm going to dominate you know Mm -hmm.
3: Mm -hmm. you ever feel that yes I I mean I'm not that like (laughs) like but I think I did I I mean my focus to finally when I finally decided this is what I wanted that was my whole focus was that I have that perfectionism in there you know I want to be the best player that I can be and like the trainings you saw all of us do on our own, you know, it's what I teach young kids all the time. What are you doing when the coach isn't looking? Because that's the sign of a good player. That's the sign of someone who wants to be a good player is what you're doing when we're not there harping on you. Come on, do it again, do it again, do it again. Like, and so that has always been so important to me.
1: Do you have any um, over your career, any matches, that stand out for you?
3: I mean, the Brazil game in 2011 by far um, is a big one. Um, I'm trying to think of my very first game. My very first national team game was in my hometown. My family was in the stands. Um, That was always, that's that's a big one, you know, putting on the national team jersey. Um, 2004, um, the final of that one mm-hmm. in Greece mm-hmm. is another one that stands out I think um knowing it was their last game you know um singing the national anthem on the podium like I could still see it and see us do it and hear how terrible we sounded
1: but but <laughs> <laughs> you were um, happy
0: <laughs>
3: yeah but I was happy I was really happy but no that the 2011 game I mean, geez, what a crazy, crazy atmosphere, situation. I mean, one thing I'll never forget is how much the crowd changed. Their, who they were rooting for shifted right in the middle of the game. It was crazy. Huh. Like huh. They were all for Brazil, screaming for Brazil, not us, like you could tell. And you were like, okay, Um which doesn't bother me at all. Like, I love that. I love when we score and it's completely silent. Like that's my favorite, but it was crazy how we went down a man, you know, for over 60 minutes, you start to see Brazil doing their antics of, you know, flopping and staying on the ground and doing these things. And all of a sudden, you know, we're in Germany, Germany's out of the tournament and all these people are here just because they love soccer. And then they started to realize, oh wow, we love the the fight in the US team right now. And they just the shift. I'll never forget it. Interesting. You know?
1: Yeah. Interesting. I'll
3: never forget it.
1: Yeah. So when you're uh you know, in your time with the national team, this is when when lupus hit you hardest, I guess, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you were diagnosed and in um you know, you had to sort of deal with it and, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. So uh, I want you to um talk about your experience with it, um, but also like educate us a little bit mm-hmm. on this because we're certainly not medical professionals on on this.
3: <laughs> yeah, no. Um, well, first of all, lupus is an autoimmune disease and autoimmune means that your body is attacking itself pretty much. So it's like the best way to explain it is that I have these foreign invaders. We all do like the flu or, you know, a virus or whatever. And you have great antibodies that fight it off. Well, my body thinks those antibodies that usually fight it off are the foreign invaders and they start to attack it. And so then it could, it could, you know, hurt anything. It can hurt your organs. It can hurt your skin. Um, The biggest symptoms of lupus are extreme fatigue. Um, uh, joint pain. Um, and then, you know, you can have organ issues, which you could do your liver, your heart. Um, there's so many people that struggle mentally, um, so much that they can't even hold a job anymore because their focus just can, doesn't come back. Um,
1: not good things for an athlete,
3: not good things for an athlete. And the, the worst part about it is that for an autoimmune disease, you can look and feel normal and then a flare hits. And that's when all of those symptoms come and you can't control when a flare is gonna happen. So that again, yeah. for an athlete, um, to be able to not predict when you're gonna feel, ex- an extreme fatigue is like bedridden. Like it, it's hard, I could tell because I'd go to get up and my head felt so heavy that it just wanted to hit the floor again. And that's like a fatigue that you have never felt unless you have this, or you have a you know, something like it. Um, and so I was actually diagnosed with Sjogren's syndrome, which is an autoimmune disease that attacks your senses, like your smell and your eyes and all of that stuff. And, but, um, once I, I made the national team and I had that, it was once I was on the national team that the symptoms kept getting worse. And, um, I even remember in 2007, Uh, We the national team all had to take these tests, like EKGs and all this stuff. And mine came bad, like red flag. And I hadn't told anybody. And I was like, oh, no, like, I can't tell anybody. I can't tell anybody. So I finally had to at least, you know, tell um, somebody, like, to be like, it's nothing. It's nothing. You know, it's, it's, you know, and so they were like, let's go through the tests again. Cause you're not allowed to play unless these tests come back fine. And they did. And I was able to keep playing. So at that time, Stowe, I still didn't have lupus. I only had Sjogren's or at least diagnosed. And, and then a year later, the diagnosis for Sjogren's or lupus came out and it was such a scary moment because it did, it took years to get diagnosed. It's average seven years for somebody to get diagnosed with with lupus and or any wow. autoimmune wow and it's so that time for me i was constantly playing feeling all these things doctors couldn't tell me what was wrong with me and i was moving every six months i was going to new york because all these yeah. different teams so I as i would have a stack this like a huge stack, taking it to each different doctor being like this has already been done here tell mm-hmm. me what's wrong with me and they would be like have to look through it and you know, and that's the thing with lupus. It's not just a blood, blood work to tell you what it is. You have to, the doctor has to kind of listen to what you've been saying, how you've been feeling. Um, and then they look at blood work and then they look at other things. And so it, it is hard to diagnose. Um, so yeah. So for me, it was just a very lonely period of time because I was too afraid to tell anybody being an elite athlete and not knowing like on a Olympic final, if I'm going to feel like crap, you know? Um, Was there concern about
1: like, you know, if the coaches knew they might not play me or something like that?
3: hundred percent. That was my biggest fear. um, Was that, you know, if they found out and they didn't understand it because even I, like when I got, told that lupus i was like what is that like i don't even know what it is and so my fear was that they would start to freak out and i would i would miss my chance i'd either get cut or i'd stop being a starter and it wasn't worth it because i was proving i could play through it um but you know the day that i was able to finally come out and speak about it i think that's what propelled me the last five years four four years to keep playing because i have now the support of my team yeah. my coaches i could go to them and be like i feel like crap today i'm gonna practice but i just not might it might not be very good yeah. and at that point i'd already got the respect of being a good player and you build up well yeah yeah that one day might be okay to not have a, a great session or whatever um you know sun is a big like it it makes you have more flares and so the year that we are 2011 we were training in Florida and I was playing for the Florida team in the league and that was the year I had the most flares and I remember one day going to our first practice and Julie Foudy was there to like obviously you know get some scoop and everything and she had a chair and I remember pushing her over being like and just sitting in the chair being like I need to sit down She's like, you don't look very good. And I'm like, I feel terrible, like could barely. And like when they blew the whistle to get back up, I was like, oh, no. Like, I just remember that feeling of just being completely and utterly exhausted.
1: Wow. Wow. So um, since you retired, right, you've you've uh, you started doing some coaching and things like that. You've been Mm -hmm obviously very active with, with the foundation for lupus.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Talk to us a little bit about, about what you've been doing.
3: Um, yeah. You know, uh, transitioning out of being a professional athlete is very difficult. Um, that is one thing I don't know if I was quite prepared for, I think, uh, you know, and also too, I was having babies. So I had Zoe when I was still playing and immediately after I finished, I wanted to make sure we had an, I tried to have another child and we were, so we had Jaden and, um, And yeah, coaching, I always thought coaching kids and and growing the game was where I was gonna be. I just didn't know how involved or in what capacity it was gonna look or what it was gonna look like. So yeah, I started kind of coaching up here, actually helped start this um, academy up here called Bridge City Soccer Academy. It's an all girls soccer academy. Um, That was really important for me because I think that the club world these days is very intense for these young players. Um, and I, you know, I really wanted to provide a chance for the, you know, players, if they want to move on, they want to become a national team player, then we're going to give you great training. But also there's also a spot for those players that, you know, I just love the game and I want to keep playing and, but I don't want a coach saying I can't do anything else. And, you know, and, and this is, you know a lot of girls quit too early. And so we wanted to try to provide a place that they wouldn't have to do that. So that's been super important. Um, I've also joined uh, Abby's Wolfpack, which is Wolfpack Endeavor is a company she started after she did that uh, speech that went viral called the Wolfpack and her book. And so I've been working with that, which is actually different coaching. It's still coaching, but it's coaching you know, female women, uh, females in, in the workforce and helping with leadership there. So using that athletic mindset that served me so well and trying to help them, you know, engage in that, that type of mentality in their workforce.
1: Great. And you, uh, invested in a soccer team recently.
3: Yes. Can't forget about that. Yes. Angel city LAFC. Uh, I love it. Um, no, um, Angel city's awesome. What a great opportunity. I'm so excited about it. Julie came to me um, and was like, Hey, a lot of national team players are doing this, like are looking into becoming investors. We would love for you to join. And I was like, and she almost missed me because I was living here in Portland. So they kind of forgot that I was an LA kid. And I was like, if you didn't do this for me, I would have been so mad. So yes. Um, we have such a great ownership And they are just so engaged and want to make this, you know, the team is going to be obviously amazing being a part of the team where so many people are going to want to come to LA to play, play for us. Um, But just, it's more than that. It's about the community and bringing a women's soccer team back to Los Angeles. My hometown is just a blessing. I can't believe how excited I am that, you know, it always deserved a place. It was where I, had the most fun playing when I play professionally. Um because as, you know, it's a hard road on the women's side. We don't get paid a lot or we're asked to move to a different state for six months and then move back and find a job for six months and then, you know, and that was before I was a national team player, but you're still moving all over the place. It was the place I could like actually be on a club team and have my home life and be a national team player all at the same time. And I really thrived. It was one of my better years of playing for sure. So I'm excited. Angel City's coming back. And I love that it's going to be so much about the community. And I will say, like, I would have never been a national team player if it wasn't for a women's professional league here in the United States. Right. Like, every time one folded, I was so devastated because I saw how important it was for players to get recognized. Like, yes, college is a great spot, but there's so many. I didn't Develop fully, right? Until right. I was 26 years old, like where I would never have gotten noticed. I would have been done and doing something different. So to be able to give back and invest into a, a team uh, in the league, I'm very excited about.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. That should be a uh, a fun venture for for everybody. You know. Yeah. Um, okay, let's uh, change directions here. Um, I wanted to wanted to get your uh, take on um, sort of what's happening in the world, and and yeah. uh, you have a very unique perspective on on race relations, and um, and and you spoke with my team about it some, and I thought, as I told you, you knocked it out of the park. So uh, I just wanted you to sort of share some ideas and some thoughts that you have, and and your perspective being such a unique perspective.
3: Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll start with that part of it. Um, I'm mixed. Um, My dad was African American. My mom is white. And um, my father passed away when I was 10. So my mom raised us as a single white mother. Um, And I lived in Southern California. Um, So my initial years, you know, a lot of people saw my mom, saw me with blue eyes and dark skin, and just assumed that I had a really good tan. And so I didn't feel the racism that potentially was around. Um, You know, my mom told me about what she went through dating my dad, um, but I didn't really feel it at the time being a young. The thing that I did feel was that I wholeheartedly thought I I felt that I was black and people were telling me that I wasn't. And I think that was where I struggled. And that's where it's kind of the opposite. Like, this is who I am. I'm both, but I do really represent, you know, and feel black. And so to, to have to go through that part of it was, was different. Um, when I went to college was the first time that I was like, oh my gosh, okay, here I can actually, because my mom was great. She was like, look, I can't teach you about that part of you. I can't, and I want to, but I can't. And so you're going to have to go out and live it and and learn and, and find that part of yourself. Right. And so when I went to college, it was a very white, but for, I found my little niche of, of people that I wanted to be around and really helped to start to see who I, I really be who you want to be. And I think that was really important for me in college. I ended up graduating with um, psychology degree, but also an African-American studies degree. And I took those classes just because I wanted to know more about my history. And I ended up taking so many classes by the time I finished, they were like, you graduate, you you actually majored in it. And I was like, Awesome. So, um, it was really important for me. But one of my first thoughts when I was going through all that was like, this should be like we need people to hear this more. Like younger ages, you know, and the stuff that's going on now, the systemic racism and, and the bias is just—it's got to change. It—it it is so hard to go through this. I'm married to an, uh, a black man. I have two young kids who are black, and they're going to go through stuff. And we have to prepare them for you know, the possibility that racism is going to hit them, too. And that's a scary thought, being a mother. Um, you want to hide them from that stuff, but you also don't want them not to know and not to be prepared for a situation that might come up. And so you know, I think right now, I have hope. I have hope moving forward. Because people are starting to talk about it. It used to be so hush-hush. And now people are talking. And, you know, wanting this. We've always wanted to change. But now we're getting more and more people that are white talking about it and saying, no, we need to fight as well to change this. This isn't right. And I think if we can all start by changing our environments, changing the stereotypes that we have been placed on Black people, I think that's a great start. Um, but I do believe everybody is needed to create meaningful change.
1: Yeah. And I think you, you said to the team yesterday, and I thought it was a great way to sort of cap it off. You, you said to them, um, look, my generation screwed this up, but you guys still have time to get this right. I thought it was a great message for them, you know?
3: Yeah. One other thing I
1: remember, Shannon, I I do remember this and it seems like a crazy thing to remember, but I remember having a conversation with yourself and Lakeisha Bean, hmm. um, who were the only two black players on, on our team, um, and and asking you guys, what's it like? Right? And I don't know why this stands out to me, but um, you said to me, well, you know, it's it's just different for us. Like the things that that happen and the things that go on, and I said, Well, give me give me an example. Well, if you go to a party, the music they play at the party is not my music. You know, it's it's their music, right? <laughs> um and it's just one example of kind of the that sort of separated us a little bit from right. you know, from the other people. I don't know why I remember that.
3: That's amazing. Uh, I don't yeah. <laughs> that's amazing that you it, remember that. But I love that you asked that question, right? Like that's where it starts. I think it was jewel that asks like how do we talk about this
1: right right you
3: know and you just do you know and i think a team environment is a very safe space because you all respect each other you're like family and you can then open up and hear each other i think that's the thing too is like hearing each other hear what we have to say hear how we feel and um that's a really big start so yeah
1: for sure well shannon this has been fun I really uh, appreciate you yeah, having you and it's been, uh, entertaining, insightful. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm educated. Uh, every time I talk to you, I feel like I get, I, I get more educated. So Thanks. I wanted to, to thank you for, for joining us here. And, um, the other thing I'd say to you is, uh, We got to stay in touch a little bit more, huh?
3: Yeah, we do. Thank you so much for having me on. It's, I mean, like you said, I know you're like, you don't have to talk about things, but I just think it's so important. I think more and more I'm recognizing that my journey really is important for people to hear and um, that there were ups and downs. I think so many people look at elite athletes and they're like, oh, it came easy for them, you know, and it it didn't. And I think that it shows that anybody can can do this and can be successful at whatever they want to do. So thanks for having me on and letting me talk.
1: All right, thank you.
3: Yeah.
1: Okay, Matt. So, uh, what are we looking forward to in the next week? Well, actually, just in the next few days. <laughs> yeah. We
2: another show on Monday. We'll so be back so in a couple of days. Yeah. This Weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. No football this weekend. Well, that's a little different. Right. So, college basketball, I guess, takes kind of center stage. But um, you know, I, I we're I'm back, obviously, from from a trip, and you know, team trained today. That was fun. We got another training tomorrow. We say goodbye to our athletic trainer who's been with us for six years he's moving on to the university side so we have some fun with him certainly but um you know it's been nice to be back and and back at it and uh, looking forward to continue on our journey to to get ready for a season here uh, next week so don't you have uh don't you have
1: like friday dinner like you cook steaks for the boys isn't that like the typical
2: thing for you Yeah, we've been doing that lately. Yeah, nice, nice little ribeye. And then um, for
1: Saturday, you've got somebody else. You got something going on with, and then (laughs) Sunday, maybe maybe (laughs) ribs. Yeah, these weekends you got to enjoy them when you can. Yeah, no, I we've got training. You know, we're we're Mm -hmm. we're in the deep, and you know, we're nine, ten days out from from our first match. So we'll be training. pretty hard and um, our men play on, as I mentioned earlier, our men play on Saturday. So I'll try to get out and watch them play uh, Saturday afternoon. It'd be great to just to get out and watch college soccer. So looking forward to it.
2: Yeah. Is, is, is that another scrimmage? It's another scrimmage for them. It's another scrimmage for them. Yeah. Okay. So you're not doing the, the color? No, actually, you know, the, you know the, the we're,
1: TV? We're, it's not on. And then actually once the season starts, I'm not on because of all the COVID stuff and, um, it's going to ESPN plus. So it's a whole different crew.
2: Oh, so you gotta be a little more professional group. What radiation. a goal. What a goal. All right. all right. It's power five time, right? Let's go. It's this what I've been looking forward to it. You know, I'm a big, I, I would call myself a closet, um, winter sports fan. I really yeah, enjoy the winter Olympics. No. You're not. You know, that's a problem. Well, here's um, the thing with it. Here's the thing. I, and I, I gotta, I gotta say this to you. So,
1: um, I didn't know all the all the sports in the Winter Olympics, right? Uh-huh. Um, so I was allowed to look them up, right? Because I know you get mad at me when I look stuff up. So
2: here we go, um, Rolling Stones again, or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Looking at what's the who what everybody likes. I, didn't look, I just I just looked for a list of sports. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. You
1: know that there are only fifteen in the in, in the uh, Winter Olympics. Really, I did not know that. Well, now so, that's because, like, if, like let's say you take bobsled. Right. Uh-huh. And yeah. there's two man, there's four yeah, man. there's four men yeah. Yeah. All
2: that kind of stuff. But there's really yeah. only 50 ports. So we may have a lot of similar ones on here. Yeah, we might. But I will say this. I, I have to be clear, right? I grew up in upstate New York as we mentioned here, very close to Lake Placid, hour and a half from Lake Placid. I was uh you know, we were there in nineteen eighty, Lake Placid. We went to Lake Placid to watch some of the events uh as a little ten year old. It was awesome. What events yeah. did you go see? When Sasuke, I went and um yes, we did. Maybe my producer shaking his head. Maybe he didn't. I did. Thank you very little. Went to two different ones. Actually, went to opening ceremony, I think, or maybe closing ceremonies.
1: Yeah, mom went to the Darren, opening ceremonies. You didn't go. What are you talking about?
2: Darren was, Darren, <laughs> Darren was too busy reading his book, so he didn't oh, know. Oh, you know that's spinning the a scale saw, like,
1: was World, world, world wrestling, uh, WWE with the Hulk Hogan. The th-
2: yeah, that's true. We did go to that, too. All right, let's do it. You ready? Yep. Your number five, my number five is ski jump. That's number five. Number five. Okay, mine's a little higher up the list. I have ski jump too. It's <laughs> a little better than five. Yes, yeah, um, it's good. It's fantastic. I have a much higher. Yeah, biathlon Eddie for me number Eagle. five. We love. It. What was yeah, it? Eddie the Eagle? Eddie the Eagle. Biathlon, where they where they cross country ski and then they shoot. Oh, geez. oh, that's a great one. Oh, you know, <laughs> so I you look go. at stuff that I can't do. I can't do that biathlon. Have you seen how accurate they are? Oh, it's they hard, are? yeah, but it's they boring ski for, a lot. They ski, they, they ski for like miles. Then they got to lay down, oh, yeah. shoot their gun, take it off the shoulder, shoot yes. the gun, and hit the target. Yes. Very hard. No, point. they're very
1: talented. Name one yeah. biathlete. Yeah. Can one. I tell you something? One by athlete. just name one.
2: Yeah. yeah, and yeah name one you you ski can. jumper. Name a ski jump. Eddie the Eagle. Eddie the, Eddie the Eagle. <laughs> that's one out of them. Anyway, all right. Go ahead, Chris. Number four. Can I tell you that you just lost? It's no, over. That's a really good one. Really good one. People that know, they know. All right. Okay. Next one. You ready? One. Yeah. My next one is
1: uh, any of the alpine skiing events. You can't. No, you can't
2: do that. Pick one. Okay. The downhill. The downhill. Okay. Good. I got that one on my list too. It's <laughs> a good one. Um, mine's a little higher up too. That's a good one. Okay. All All right. right. So my number four is bobsled. Okay.
1: I got that. I got
2: that one on my list. It's a little higher up. (laughs) That's a good one. All right. What's your next one? Bobsled. (laughs) My next one. What are we on? I'm on number three. What number are you on? Number three. Number three. Yeah, three. My third is snowboarding. Pretty new to it. But the, the, oh, the, the, come this, on, the the oh. the uh, what are those things called? The the slopes that they half come pipe. down, the the half moments half, you don't even know pipe. what's called, and it's your, it's your you got it as number three. Oh, the 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 pipe that's his half pipe and the full pipe. They go yes. off and flip around. Yes. That is cool, dude. There's no full, full pipe. Really, it's all, one half pipe.
0: A full
1: pipe would be a circle of ice that they would. Skate I didn't down. say full pipe. It's <laughs> a half you pipe. just
2: said
1: full pipe. <laughs> <laughs> hey, first of all, let me just say this about about those. Activities. Whoa, crazy!
2: Oh, those activities. <laughs> right. those, X said, games, those, those X game sports.
0: sports.
1: Are, they,
2: are these guys high all the time? Because they look like they're high all the time. Doesn't matter. They're unbelievable <laughs> athletes, Chris. Have you seen them do okay. this stuff? They flip and pass yes. and spin yeah, and turn. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's really impressive. Sean, oh, that's terrible. I was going to look him up too. Sean, He's White, awesome. yeah. Sean White. Sean White. Sean White.
1: Sean White.
2: See, White yeah, I there, there. you yeah. go. Yeah. yeah, he's good. All right, what's your next one?
1: This see, this was the one you forgot. I think you forgot this one. I think you missed this one.
2: The luge. Yeah, I I like. Okay, yeah, no, I like the luge, but you know, what I like better than the luge. The skeleton. That's skeleton. my number two. Yeah, that's the other skeleton. one. Head first. Don't come at me with feet first. Let's go head first and see no, what no, you're made of. No. Okay? The, ske- the yes. problem
1: with skeleton for me is that it's like, you know, when you ride your sled, it's like it's something the kids do, right? Well, what's the luge? The luge is the same thing. The luge ride is you're your flying down there. You're, and you're, you're not you're, on the skeleton. You've got to control it. Left and right. the, other one, the other one, you're just laying on the sled, you know?
2: You're just that's laying a, on the sled. You're, okay. Yeah. The, I, like the, I would like the voters to say, is it more difficult to go head first or or feet first? Oh, it's a lot harder to go feet first. Absolutely not. It's the way to more dangerous to go, head, that kind
1: of stuff? to go head first. Wait a you second. You go head about, was,
2: go ahead. How are you? You're talking about absolutely not. Have you ever done this? I've gone down the plenty of hills. I've, <laughs> <laughs> I've slid down plenty of hills. <laughs> and guess what? I always go feet first because I'm a little frady cat. I would never go Could head first. I foot, imagine too going too on the luge, going down that track?
1: Yeah, with your head
2: first. It's the same track. You're going head first, Chris. Head first. Uh, Anyway, all right. What's your last one? We all have it. Uh, Hockey. It's got to be hockey, right? No, no. You don't have hockey? No, this is where you're wrong. You're wrong because – Hockey's a great sport. It is. Is it? Is it a great sport? Who's your favorite NHL team? The Rangers. Name me three players. Oh, come on. See, I don't you watch don't it watch that it. much. Exactly. So it's not I watch that that it good in the Olympics. Let me ask you: how off, <laughs> how much do you, how much do you watch ski jumping? When do you watch it? During the Olympics. During the Olympics, okay. That's the only time it's on. Okay. Hockey you hockey you could watch every night and you I don't good watch instead. You don't no. enjoy it that much.
1: Hockey is fantastic. Especially Olympic hockey. It is fantastic. It's
2: not that fantastic if you don't watch it every day, no. in, in my opinion. I think it's a great sport. What did, but what did you I, I, it was
1: good before head they head head? brought the pros in. It's all it's all just just NHL hockey They're in the Olympics now.
2: Exactly. Not any good, but, but he does, this is the first time you've ever agreed with him. Stop it. <laughs> ski jump is my number one. I like ski jump. I can't believe you had a it fifth. It's by yeah, far the best sport. Like, it's the like best, best sport no, in the Olympics. Best sport? in they don't. They just best. go down the hill and jump. That's it. That's all they do. Go stand at the top. <laughs> they stand at the
1: top of that thing, and you tell me that that's not. Yeah, that exactly.
2: You <laughs> stand. Take a take a tour up to the top, Chris. I don't, don't want to go down up there. There. I
1: don't want to. I go mean, up they're
2: flying in the air to the greatest of ease. It's fantastic. All right. We got to wrap this up. Okay. Anyway, let's go through the list real quick. Okay. Mine. Biathlon. Um, bobsled. Uh, snowboarding. Skeleton. Ski jump. Yep. Yours were what? Mine
1: going from five to one. Ski jump. Downhill skiing.
2: Bobsled luge and hockey you don't watch hockey now you shouldn't you shouldn't be in your top five just my no. all right here we go let's move on I do uh watch coach, the playoffs it, i like hockey i'm not saying it's not but it's just the olympics the winter sports should be those special sports that you don't get to see very often like snowboarding okay. all right uh my cliche i'm proud of the fact that we kept fighting out there yeah that means you lost yeah, exactly. <laughs> Usually, that means lost. <laughs> you lost. Exactly. And of co- yeah, I mean, of course, you kept fighting. me I mean, why, 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 why would you play the games? You yeah. know, you're play proud. The games. I mean, that's what
1: they're supposed to do. Like,
2: yeah, a given. absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, real quick, before we sign off here uh, next this Monday, so we're going to do it on Monday, um, and our guest is who? So uh, Super Bowl week, right? Yes. Yeah. You know, Super Bowl week, like they they have the podcast row. All right. Are so, we going? Are we going? Uh, virtually. Hey, you know what? We'll go. We'll go to the World Cup. When they have the World Cup, we'll go to podcast row, Chris. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Nice. So we're going to have an NFL player.
1: Nice. And we are going to have the long snapper for the New Orleans Saints. Is that? How are you chuckling? It's an important <laughs> position. It is an important <laughs> position. You certainly can't win without it, you know. And, That's right. And he's done great. Look. He, yeah he's done really, really well for himself. So I'm excited to have him. He'll be fun. He'll be Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good.
2: All right. Look forward to that. Uh, That's all we got. Chris, a little crazy day today with this uh, this podcast, but we're certainly glad we got it in again. Apologize for being late, uh, but thanks everybody for listening. Um, Please download us. Give us a five-star review. We love doing it every week for you and we'll see you on Monday.
1: If you have questions for Coach Petricelli or Coach Mott, you can reach them at cpetricelli at mail.smu.edu or mmott at olmis.edu. College Soccer Nation is presented by DJM Productions and available on all your fine podcast outlets. Download it, give a review, tell a friend.